Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. And we are going to be talking all about Star Wars, Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. And, Jesse, here we are. We're recording it on January 22nd, so over a full month after its initial release in theaters, and... We waited a little bit. We both got to see it multiple times, and so now I feel like we're both pretty prepared to have a discussion on the film. Yes, I feel like I've just been having nonstop conversations about this movie with just everyone and their mother, literally, um, for an entire month straight, which I've absolutely loved. This was... Yeah. It was special. Yeah. And to see the final installment of the saga, you know, in on the big screen is is really special, and I'm I'm very excited to start talking about it. So of course we are going to be talking about details of the film. If you have not seen The Rise of Skywalker yet, make sure to uh, hit up a local theater and then come back and take a listen to us. Um, but this movie, I mean, just looking at some of the numbers before we start talking about actual, you know details of the film but it's number 15 all time in domestic box office numbers already like this is crazy yeah it's also past the 1 billion mark worldwide which is pretty cool so um i think yes i've got box office mojo pulled up right now so next uh for next film for the rise of skywalker to beat would be beauty and the beast that's right above it at number 14 uh, in domestic, and then Rogue One is number thirteen. So oh, wow. yeah, coming up on those two, which is pretty cool. Um, in addition to that, Jesse, The Rise of Skywalker is nominated for three Academy Awards, including original score, sound editing, and visual effects. So um, this is very exciting. That that you know this is this was history that we're able to see. Pretty yeah, cool. this it's it's insane how I've just been, I feel like my biggest thing I've been talking to people about is how they've wrapped up nine films. Like it's, yeah. it's not just, it wasn't just the end of a saga or trilogy or, or it was the end of a saga, not just the end of a trilogy. Uh, just uh, they did it all. And I'm stoked to start getting, digging into it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do that now. As I was trying to figure out how to talk about this and like what our structure of the show was going to be. Um, it just got so jumbled up in my mind that I just started writing (laughs) stuff down, like, you know, on our little show notes here. Um, so I don't really know how, what structure we're going to be. Let's just start talking about it. So, um, I guess, uh, 
quick plot summary of this. Uh, Palpatine has returned. He's got this really cool Sith fleet called the Final Order, which is um, being it's hidden in um, the unknown regions. And it's the job of the Resistance to make a final attempt at stopping not only the First Order, but Palpatine and his Sith fleet, which is really cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what we found out about Palpatine um, in this movie. Um, I know one big question that a lot of people had about um, the first two films of this trilogy were about Snoke, right? You know, wh- where did Snoke come from? How, what's his role? Um, and it almost looked like in the beginning sequence that there was like that vat of more Snokes, you know? Um, so yeah. Palpatine created Snoke, which was really cool. Yeah, and it looked like he had like multiple yeah, clones mm-hmm. ready to go of him. I don't know if they're like failed Snoke experiments or like just like ready yeah. at the drop of a hat to I don't know does he have like multiple Snokes like out there throughout the universe manipulating different things like what are all these extra Snokes for <laughs> right oh well, you need to drop a Snoke in over here gotta... yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of crazy and he also mentioned in that scene that he's died before so let's talk a little bit yeah. about this um because if you think back to the prophecy of the chosen one, and I'm kind of upset about upset at myself because I was going to go through um, Master and Apprentice and actually get out what the that prophecy says, um, but essentially it was going to bring balance to the Force, um, and then they say in the movies that you know you would destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force. So if you think about it, if Palpatine is alive then the Sith would not have been destroyed, so how would Anakin have been the Chosen One, you know? Um, But if you think back to what Luke says in Episode 7, he's like, oh yeah, for a while there was balance. He's telling the story of Darth Sidious and, and all that. He said for a while there was balance. And I think for some people... It's it's a um, misconception that like okay there's two Sith that means there has to be two Jedi that's balance and by you know fulfilling the prophecy it's just the balance there's not balance there but when Anakin became Anakin again after you know everything that happened in Return of the Jedi and he took down Palpatine Palpatine says here in this film that he's died before so I think still that prophecy is. Of, with Anakin being the chosen one had been fulfilled still. I think it makes sense. Yeah, so you're saying with, like, it, it balance it was restored when, you know, basically Anakin became Anakin and Sidious was dead. Yeah. So the balance was the absence, basically, mm-hmm. of these, of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the prophecy said that, that, um, I think it was in the visual dictionary for the force awakens um, on Kylo's page. It said something about how the prophecy says that the Sith would be destroyed, but nothing about the absence of darkness. So, you know, at this point, Sidious was dead. Palpatine was dead. And he even explains that, or he says it, you know, at the beginning of this movie, because I think Kylo says, I'll kill you or something like that. And then Palpatine's like, I've died before, you know, so, 
to me, when Anakin became Anakin again, threw Palpatine down, Palpatine probably died at that point, but somehow was able to come back, which is still a mystery. Even after seeing the movie, we don't know how that happened. Right, and I mean, that's like his, like, Palpatine's age-old, you know, claim and his hook to get Anakin on his side is that he, you know, he wanted to find the way or he he had the path to learn how to stop people from dying and mm-hmm. I guess he I guess he figured it out and nobody still nobody really knows like yeah. I, don't, I don't know like did, did he did he have it all figured out before he died was he able to like come back in like a force ghosty kind of way in like, like a different Sith way that was able to bring himself back? I don't know. I really, really want like a comic or something on that. Yeah. Cause... Well, that's the thing. Like, sure, we got a lot of things answered in this film. You know, raised parentage, um, a bunch of other things. But the thing is, with Lucasfilm, if they want to keep fans engaged in the story of Star Wars, you're going to have to continuously create more questions. So they have, you know, reasons to create more content that people will either buy or watch or whatever. Yeah, I feel like even though this is the end of like the Skywalker saga in movie form, I feel like that doesn't mean that they can't keep like flushing it out and adding to those like in between details and in, in books and comics. Like I don't think it's that it means that we're, we're never going to see any of these characters in other formats again. Yeah. Did you notice too that it seemed like Palpatine was willing to come back in the form of other characters? So at the beginning, when Kylo goes to Exegol, which is the new like Sith planet um, in the unknown regions, um, when Kylo goes there at the beginning of the film, Palpatine says something like, "Oh yeah, you can do what Vader didn't," and you know, um, you know, you could be the emperor of the galaxy and, and whatever. And, and Kylo's like, oh, well, what do you, what could you give me? And he's like everything. So at that point, it seemed like Palpatine was willing to just be like, you know, okay, Kylo, you can be the emperor of the galaxy. And maybe through me or through you, he will still be in power. And then at the end of the movie, when we see Rey going up against Palpatine, Palpatine wants her to kill him. And then she can be this new empress, but it's almost like Palpatine's essence would have gone into her or something like that. Yeah, it was like he, his body was obviously, it was like decrepit fingers were missing and falling off. And maybe, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe he needed just like a new vessel to work through. Yeah, because his, like you said, his basic body looked pretty messed up. Um, But... I think that was, I think it was really cool to get Palpatine back. And uh, like, you know, we talked about at the end, there was a lot of really cool things with Ray and Palpatine and, and, um, that whole, that whole dyad thing. And we'll talk about this in a second was, was, um, enough to essentially, you know, restore the one true emperor, as he says, and sort of like give life back to him. His fingers start growing back and, and things like that. And, um, you know, one of the first things he does after he returns is literally just shoots lightning up into the sky and takes down a bunch of ships. Like, that was crazy what he did. We've never seen anything yeah. like that. 
I feel like he wasn't even, ex- it, it, to me, it seemed like he did not know that that was even a possibility. Mm-hmm. Like that was not in his plans and it just <laughs> worked out for him temporarily <laughs> Yeah, in his favor. It was awesome though. I mean, just taken down, like the Tantiv Four got taken down and Nyan Num was on that ship. Yeah, so right. So it was sad to see him go. But that scene alone, like when I saw them get nominated for visual effects, that was like one of the first things I thought of was yeah. that scene with all the lightning into the sky and, and Ray just like looking up at it. That was such a cool scene visually. Yeah. yeah. I also would like to add that in that scene when Palpatine first shoots the lightning up, it almost goes quiet right before he shoots the lightning. And the sound, like the sound was awesome when he shot the lightning up so yeah yeah is this what you're expecting from the palpatine return um i feel like in the moment when i first saw it i was just shocked by like everything everything that was happening like i mean i know there was a lot of little parts of this that we you know a lot of people kind of guessed at but like i it just still found new ways to surprise me like, I really did not think that that Ray was going to be a Palpatine. Like, I yeah. really, like, I, I feel like I had heard that somewhere in the internet and was just like, nah, that's wrong. And just, like, <laughs> moved right. on with my life. Um, so, yeah, I, even though we spent, like, hours and hours and a year maybe contemplating, I was surprised at every twist and turn. So, well, let's talk about Rey and her being a Palpatine. So, yes, I mean, that is something that I feel like a small percentage of the fans actually thought. Like like you said, you know, you hear about that theory and and whatever, but there's also theories about her being a Kenobi or her being a Skywalker right. or her being a whatever, and you're all just like, uh, or she's nobody, you know? She's literally nobody. Um, yeah. But no, she's a Palpatine. And as you look back, like to me, in The Last Jedi, when we see her starting to get angry and starting to not be that, you know, clear cut light side girl that we know of, like she's starting to scream while she fights and, you know, is more aggressive with her fighting style. Um, And so you can, you know, we know who her grandfather is now and that's it's cool to kind of see her character develop that way. Yeah. And especially with like that, with the pull that Ben feels to the light and that he struggles with and and pushes back against it's, it's interesting now to look back at Ray and not only think about how, you know, we we had been saying for a long time, all those dark sidey things you were mentioning, but to think about that, like she has the, she's just the exact opposite of of Ben like she had a pull to the dark but just was always strong enough and had a clear enough head to 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 stay above it and never fully let herself go yeah and even at the end with her and Palpatine you know he he she even says to him like you want me to hate so much but I'm not going to not even you you know and so she really is stronger she's stronger than him and to be honest it did not take her long to take him down so yeah 
That's true. It's pretty cool. One of my favorite scenes with Ray in this film was the scene where we she thinks that she kills Chewbacca. Um, and not that we want them to think they just killed a beloved member of their group, because obviously that's sad, but the whole dynamic of that scene. So you have Ray that's clearly being pulled out by Kylo because she senses him coming in his tie whisper. And so then she does that backflip, which is in the main part of the first trailer that we saw, the teaser trailer. Um, but then Finn runs out, making a mistake that Chewbacca was on that that um, transport and Ray initially just reaches out and tries to stop it. And that's something that we've seen in some of the Star Wars shows, you know, where the the Jedi, like, stops a ship from flying away or whatever. And, you know, even in the micro series, like, Yoda pulls ships out of the sky and stuff. And um, that was not something that I would expect to see in this film, but we did get to see it. And then Kylo, and there's that struggle for power once again, you know, kind of like the lightsaber where it's just, like, suspended in the middle. But this time, Rey shoots the lightning out of her hand and blows the ship up. And I love the reaction from from Finn and from Ray. I thought the acting was phenomenal in that scene. Oh yeah, it's just this, the entire movie. Really, I was just blown away by by everyone um, and and the acting and the level that it had gotten to. Um, but that moment with with Ray and the lightning just bursting out of her shocked me beyond any anything else i would have never i would have never thought that we would see really any other character use force lightning at this point besides palpatine like there's that just is not something and even then like it didn't like make me think maybe she is a palpatine like it didn't even like that still that shock was still like i i don't know i just it she's just so she's so powerful like i i love i i love how much they put into her character and how they really just didn't hold back in letting her just be this like crazy strong awesome powerful woman in the force yeah and you know sometimes just out of your emotions it allows you to do things that you would not necessarily be able to do but now that she knows that that's something that she can do maybe being who she is she'll be able to you know control it or or transform it into something that is um a potential future ability for her that you know is not dark sidey that would be really interesting to see, like, force light and lightning used in a light side way. I don't know. I guess mm-hmm. I never really thought it was possible, you know? Yeah. I always yeah. felt like it would just be, that means you you slipped. You slipped into the dark side. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. There is something in Legends, I think Plo Koon used it, it's like, light side judgment or something like that where it's like a a version of force lightning used for the light side but it's still frowned upon by the jedi council because it is kind of like like you said sort of like tapping into the dark side just a little bit yeah i don't really know the details on that um but i mean clearly she she's got a new lightsaber at the end and we don't know where she's gonna go from here but um 
you know, one would think that she would pass on what she knows. So, especially, and we'll talk about this in a second, with Finn potentially um, having, you know, being Force-sensitive, um, maybe she could pass on what she knows to him. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, uh, let's finish up with Ray here quickly, and then we'll go on to Finn. Um, so, obviously, we talked about her being a Palpatine, but what did you think about the story of her parents? Like, seeing what they went through and Palpatine's whole plan for getting her back. Yeah, that, I, I'm just surprised that anyone wanted to get with Palpatine, honestly. Like, that he was able to, like, have some kind of a family, like, (laughs) blows my mind. Um, I don't even know if I want a comic about that, but I... It was, yeah, that was, that was a big surprise and it, it makes so much sense. It makes me so happy that she wasn't just, you know, abandoned for no good reason other than her parents were like, you know, deadbeats or something. Um, they, they died for her. They sacrificed themselves for her. Yeah. What do you think about, um, the idea of potentially, you know, Anakin was manifested by the midichlorians or whatever. He was created by the midichlorians. There was no father for Shmi. Or for, yeah, there was no, Anakin never had a father. Father Like Shmi mm-hmm. never got with anybody or whatever. I wonder if this is a similar situation where, um, you know, not that, I mean, we don't know anything about Palpatine's son, Ray's father. We don't know anything about him, really. Right. Um, so was he force sensitive? He must have been, right? Or maybe it skipped a generation? I don't know. Yeah, they say, you know, they're not always. Like, you know, just because you're the, the child or from a Jedi family, that doesn't necessarily mean you will be Force-sensitive. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I wonder if, though, he, like, because, you know, there's that theory out there that it was, like, Palpatine that originally, like impregnated created created Mm -hmm. Anakin um, via the force like you were saying I wonder if he did that same thing to some other lady to create like his son but Mm -hmm. then actually like raised him yeah Yeah. I don't know how you get raised by Palpatine though and not like just be a complete crazy person yeah yeah well, again, you know, this just brings more questions that hopefully through some other sort of like media we'll get answers to. Um, but yeah, it was it was nuts. And I brought my uh, trusty visual dictionary for The Rise of Skywalker written by Pablo Hidalgo. And, um, you know, this real this book really does give a lot of really cool background story on some of the characters that we see in The Rise of Skywalker. And um, there's a lot of really cool info on Ochi of Bestoon. Um, And the name of his ship is the Bestoon Legacy. And, um, you know, I highly recommend picking this book up and reading a little bit about some of these characters um, because it, it it adds a lot. It adds a lot. Um, let's talk a little bit about Finn. So we sort of alluded to and touched on a little bit the fact that Finn might be Force-sensitive. Um, what do you think? Do you think he is Force-sensitive based off of Honest- what we saw? Yeah, I I don't, to be honest. Like, I don't think he's Force-sensitive in a way that um, 
in, in like a ray sense or like a Jedi sense or even like a maybe you have one force power sense like like Cal and Force Collector. Um, mm-hmm. I I feel like it's just more of the of how the force works in the average person. Um because it's something that is there for everyone and everyone connects to it in different ways. And, and Maz says, you know, many different times that the force works different ways in different people. And I mm-hmm. kind of just think that that's just how it works through him is he gets like, it's just, maybe it's in his gut. It, it's in his instincts. Um, he just, it, you know, it's kind of a guiding him to know what's the right thing to do. Um, it's like his conscience. And it, it, that's probably like a common way that it would work in like an average person is how is how I read into that. See, I I feel like he is more than average because he has some really crazy things that he's able to figure out and and just tell and and even things where you know like Finn was on the Falcon after just getting picked up from Lando and he's with Jana and everything and then when Ray dies at the end when she falls down. Finn, it was almost like Yoda during Order 66. Like, he just knew. And yeah. how else would he, like, how, you know? I mean, granted, I like, also, him and Ray are close, but I don't know. I feel like that's also, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if that would be, like, an average person thing per se, but that could just come from having, like, a really strong connection with somebody in a universe where the Force exists. Um, I mean, that kind of happens to people in our real world, if you, if you believe in what anything really, I I mean, I've just heard so many stories of people having, you know, dreams of like a loved one getting hurt or getting sick or passing away. And then the next day they find out, um, and who knows, those things could be coincidences or they could be something. And I kind of feel like that's just kind of like the force for this universe it it connects people it it binds people and it if you have a strong strong bond a strong strong connection with someone especially someone who's so in tune with the force like ray i feel like maybe maybe an average person could feel that someone who's not necessarily more force sensitive than the average person um maybe just because it is ray and because of their strong bond yeah i don't think that there's a chance that finn is ever gonna get to be like ray or you know even even get to to the point where even like car like he has an ability through the force like that i think kind of like what you said it you know he is probably average but i i think i think with finn it's a little bit more than average we've seen him wield a lightsaber and granted he's had training and in, in, you know melee combat and things like that but um, I mean, he held his own against uh, Kylo um, briefly, and I don't know. I think I think there's a lot more to Finn and his character, and you know, with some characters uh, who are force sensitive, not only does the force work in different ways with different people, but it's also an age thing. In Clone Wars, we see a Rodian that is not even able to speak words. Um, you know, levitate a ball um, in season two at the beginning with the Children of the Force episodes or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then other characters like Luke, I mean, Luke wasn't really, it didn't seem like Luke felt like he had the force until he was almost 20, you know? So I, I feel like, you know, maybe Finn's abilities are developing later on in life. Um, and with everything that he sees Ray doing, maybe he's just more open to what's going on with himself. But I don't know. Yeah, and and there is like that whole other group of people too with Jana who were also in the same exact you know situation as Finn, where they just they mm-hmm. were they were stormtroopers for the First Order, and they all just all at the same time had that same feeling that that gut instinct that what they were doing was wrong and that they they could do something about it um so so yeah i don't know i would love for finn to have like a greater force sensitivity that could be like manipulated into something a little bit um bigger but i do i I really do feel like it's just like it's the force working through people in a time where it's so bogged down by the dark side. It's it's like almost like just like the light side, like poking people and being like, "Hey, you can do something about this." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think he was gonna tell Ray? Because throughout this whole movie, he's trying to tell Ray something. He has something to tell her, and he never gets that opportunity. Um, I know some people thought that it was the force sensitive thing that he's able to use the force for whatever purpose. Or that maybe he loved her, or what were your thoughts on that? You know, I feel like if it was the force sensitive thing, he would have come to Leia about that at some point. Like, because especially because he seemed like he didn't want to talk about it because Poe was there. Like, I don't know why that would be like a secret specifically from Poe. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like as much as I really was feeling like. Finn at this point had gotten over his, you know, crush that he had on Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, just that's just what I felt like his growth was up until this point, and also just like he had the whole thing with that little moment with Rose. And I just I feel like I don't know if I heard this in an interview or if it was in a book or something. I hope I didn't just make it up in my head. That happens, but. I feel like I heard somewhere that, you know, that was just kind of him like deprogramming almost like he was spent his whole life brainwashed by the first order. He comes out of it and now he's like looking at girls for the first time and is like, oh, this is a thing like I'm no longer drinking the Kool-Aid and now I can feel something. Um, And, you know, so he kind of like bounced around with his his feelings are all over the place that's kind of how i think of it i don't know where i got that from or if it's canon or not but that's how i've been looking at it ever since i heard that so i kind of thought that was done but i i don't know i i wouldn't be shocked if it was to tell ray that he still had feelings for her or that he loved her or i don't i don't know i just i for some reason i i I don't think it is that, but I can't think of any other good explanation, to be honest. Um, Somebody told me that somebody asked J.J. Abrams about, you know, was Ray going to tell or was Finn going to tell Ray that he loved her? And J.J.'s response is, why does everyone think that that's what it is? 
why can't it be that Finn was force sensitive? And I don't, I don't ever remember seeing this. I did not search for it. Um, I was just told that that was something that someone asked J.J. Abrams. I don't know if it was on Twitter. I don't know if it was an interview. I don't know where it was. I haven't seen it. Um, so it could not be out there at all, or it could be, and I just don't know where it is. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it's just still a mystery. Let's talk a little bit about Poe. So Poe had a big role and he had a big role in a lot of the journey to the Rise of Skywalker books as well. The Spark of the Resistance and Resistance Reborn. And so here we are, we get Poe and we find out a little bit more about his backstory, um, that he was a spice runner before he left for the resistance. Um, and after Leia passes away, he is now the acting general of the resistance, which I think is pretty crazy. So now if we ever get any more content about the resistance, Poe Dameron is, is the general along with Finn. Yeah. I feel like they've been grooming him for that. Yeah. For for every journey to the Rise of Skywalker book that we've had since Last Jedi, for sure. That was that was the one thing I was not surprised about, I feel yeah. like, in this movie. I was like, that makes sense. Poe's ready for that. Yeah. And I love the very beginning of this movie. So, like I, I said earlier, like, one of the scenes that I love is Ray shooting the lightning at the transport. But then also the beginning when Poe gets back with the Falcon and he has that little banter with Ray about the Falcon and BB-8. And, yes. what, you know, what'd you do to the droid? What'd you do to the Falcon? You know, and she's like, <laughs> I don't know, BB-8 looks pretty bad. Well, BB-8's not on fire. And, you know, there's that whole that whole banter between the two of them. I just love it. Yeah. I just love it so You're much. You're a difficult man, you know that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I loved that so much, too, because it it was, I mean, we haven't seen the three of them really together too, too much up until that moment. So to really get to see how much the three of them, the trio, their relationships and how comfortable they have gotten with each other, that that made me really happy. Yeah. What do you think about the past that Poe had as a spice runner and, and we get to see someone back from when he was a spice runner, Zori bliss on the planet of Kijimi. Um, what'd you think about that whole? Story? I feel, I feel like it makes complete sense now to think about, you know, Poe's like just the, just everything about where we originally met Poe, his impatience and his just, willingness to just run into things and get things done it just would make sense that that would be his past is it's just like a small group of spice runners that you know he they probably took risks and just did crazy stuff all the time and then he had to you know conform to the military life and it was probably a very long and hard adjustment as we saw to take orders and not just go for it on your own yeah so it made sense. And I think it was in the visual dictionary that it says that, I mean, and we can kind of understand this from watching the from watching the movie, but Zori took the fact that Poe had left personally. And so she was very upset about that. And, you know, it was sort of a close-knit group. But, um, you know, Poe, he's never been afraid to do what he feels is right. And he just does his own thing. So him just picking up and leaving and, you know, people that he cares about or had passed with or whatever stuck back in that life and he did something that he felt was a greater calling for him so 
I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I'd love a Spice Runner comic series yeah. to complement our Poe Dameron comic series we've got going right now with Black Squadron. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren. And I feel like this um, this part was huge for everybody. Um, you know, Kylo obviously wants to rule the galaxy. He's the supreme leader of um, the First Order at the beginning of the film. Snoke is gone. Um, and so it's all up to Kylo to sort of keep control over the galaxy and until he meets Palpatine at the beginning, you know, he's kind of, uh, off doing his own thing and trying to be the most powerful guy in the galaxy. And then, um, you know, he, even Ray says, oh, you're serving another master, but Kylo's like, nah. And, but he kind of is, he kind of is, he's, he's off hunting Ray because that's what Palpatine asked him to do at the beginning, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and he'd get this, you know, final order fleet. So Kylo obviously has been the bad guy for three films now. Um, but I feel like a lot of people were expecting that return, that redemption back to Ben Solo. And we got that in this film. How did you, how did you feel about the way that they did that? I, number one, Adam Driver's performance was incredible i remember you know going into this being like i think he's gonna you know turn into the light but i can't see like a ben solo just walking out in the world all forgiven Mm -hmm. and then and then i see it and i'm like i want him to just be walking out in the world and just be forgiven like i love him so much um and i just i felt like I, i never really had a connection with kylo i i I didn't like dislike his character, but I didn't, there wasn't anything about him really that like, that like made me super interested in him um, up until, up until this final redemption for him that I just, I feel like I am obsessed with him now and I've never been a Raylo person. The Mm -hmm. closest I've ever been to like, being interested in that ship is talking to your friend Bree, um, mm-hmm. who we've had on this show before. But as the way it all went down, and uh, I don't know, I just I it, they had me. I was hooked. I was in hook, line, and sinker. I absolutely loved, 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 loved his arc and his turn back to the light. It was perfect. Yeah. And I feel like so many people are right there with you when it comes to Ben Solo. He has become so much more popular than I feel like anybody ever thought that he would be. Like he, you, you have your core group of, of Kylo Ren fans and Ben Solo fans, but I feel like now mm-hmm. more than anything, I mean, Ben Solo has captured our hearts. And to be honest, he really hasn't even, he didn't even say anything really. Like I watched the movie after he has this conversation with Han the only thing he says, the only thing he speaks out of his mouth the rest of the movie is ow when he jumps on that chain on Exegol, going back down to meet up with Ray. He doesn't say anything else the whole movie. I so, have not noticed that. Yeah. That's incredible. That means Adam Driver, I, I mean, whatever I said about his inform- performance, like increase that times 10 because yep. 
that is the point in time where I'm totally extra, completely on board with Kylo from then on. And the guy doesn't say a word. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, he does little gestures, like, after he gets a lightsaber, when Ray gives it to him from behind their backs (laughs) and stuff. Like, he does his little, like, what, you know? Um, Ben Solo challenge. Yeah, Ben Ben Solo Solo challenge. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And then he gets, like, knocked off the, into the ledge, or off the ledge from Palpatine, and, like, grunts as he's getting up and sort of limps back to Rey, but, like, he doesn't have any lines, like, he doesn't say anything, so everybody is basing their likeness off of, or likeness for Ben Solo from, based off his actions, and what he's doing, not what he's saying, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I don't think there's really anything he could say if you think about it like he had a really extremely dark past so there's nothing you can do but but change your actions and hope that people will see you in a different light and that is exactly what he did for us (laughs) yeah and the two are a dyad in the force and this is something that's extremely rare um, Ray and Kylo being a dyad in the Force, and we've seen what their abilities allow them to do, um, even with the Force heal and bringing people back from life and stuff like that. And one of my favorite things to do is watch Matt Martin from the story group answer people's questions, where they like <laughs> think that they found a loophole or like some kind of mistake, and Matt Martin's like, "Here's how that works." You know, yeah. it's awesome. It's literally my favorite thing in the world. Someone was saying, well, if Force heals the thing now, then, you know, why couldn't Obi-Wan do it to save Qui-Gon? Why couldn't they do it to save so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so? And the thing is, he went on, Matt Martin did, to say that essentially Force heal has always been a thing. And it's something that the Jedi are able to do to essentially, um, you know, fix their scratches or their their little bruises or, you know, maybe a scrape or something. It's not typically something that you could do to fix a lightsaber gash through a chest or through a torso or, you know, to, to bring someone back from the dead like Kylo did with Rey at the end of the movie. The only reason why they were able to heal each other so well and they were able to, Kylo was able to bring Rey back is because they are so connected, because they are this dyad. And, um, you know, they're like, well, what about in Mortis? They were able to bring stuff back. And he's like, oh, what happens on Mortis is cannot be compared to anything else. That that is a crazy force planet. And that is not something that you can compare to other parts of Star Wars. So, yeah. Well done, Matt Martin. I love watching him communicate with people. It's awesome. Yeah, and I also, I was thinking about that, too, because I had had many conversations with people who were saying all those other skeptical things you just said. Um, And the way I saw it, too, even without hearing Matt Martin say that is, you know, Ray describes it as a transference of, like, life force. So, like, yeah, you can transfer, like, a little bit of your life to, to, to fix minor injuries. But, like, when he brought Ray back from the dead, he pretty much had to transfer his entire life to her. Yeah. He, he had to completely choose, like, okay, I'll die for her to live. Yeah. Like, that's how much force energy that takes, a life or a life. And let's talk a little bit about that. So, at the end of the film... 
we have Ray, and she goes to the Lars homestead on Tatooine. She buries some lightsabers. She has her own. There's this old lady that walks out that says, there's been no one for so long. Who are you? You know, and she basically says her name's Ray Skywalker. And so people are like, why would she do that? She's not a Skywalker. But I think, um, I think it was Michael Morris who um, has been on the show before, too, Um you know, I was talking to him about it, and he goes, well, if you think about it, Ben Solo, who is a Skywalker, who does have Skywalker blood, literally transferred, like, his, you know, his energy, his 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 essence into Rey, and he was able to sort of, like, you know, take what was his and put it into Rey to allow her to live. So, you know, it, you know, view that as what you will, but some could say that that means that she's a Skywalker, you know. Yeah, and I also saw it because when she says that in that moment, she sees Luke and Leia as force ghosts. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, they were her only true, like, parental figures that she had ever mm-hmm. since her parents left her at that extremely young age. She grew up on her own. And then as she's, like, coming into, you know, her adult life and going through this whole huge journey, her only real mentors were Luke and Leia, both Skywalkers. So those were kind of like her parental figures. And then to have this deep connection with Kylo, like just that whole Skywalker family just completely carved her trajectory in the force and her like made her who she is. And I think she just feels such a deep connection to that family that it's almost like she has adopted herself and they have adopted her into that family yeah let's talk a little bit about leia um and leia obviously carrie fisher wasn't around and so there's only limited screen time that you can put her in using recycled footage and have it make sense and you could kind of tell like a couple scenes where she like looks up and you're like oh i've seen her do that exact like head movement and look before in the force awakens yeah um But I think the way that it ended and the way that they brought Carrie's Leia into the film was perfect. I mean, she didn't have a ton of screen time, like I said, but the scenes that she was in, like, were awesome. Like, you would never know that she wasn't around, you know? Right. Like, I I definitely had that feeling as, you know, all those those scenes were coming up. You you could tell. I want to know if, like, someone didn't know anything if they didn't know at what point carrie fisher passed away you know if would they look at that and just see seamlessness for for me i definitely we know so we know what they're doing they told us what they were going to do and and we know that it's just kind of old piece together footage um but i wouldn't have had it any other way i even it, it was so much more than I ever thought we were going to get with Leia. Like I really and truly was terrified that something was just going to blow up and they're going to be like, ah, shit, Leia was in there. Like (laughs) that was like, (laughs) like, I I was so scared of that. And I knew they were going to do better than that. Like the Chewbacca thing. Like if Chewbacca had actually been on that transport. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah. Uh, 
so yeah, and I knew they were going to do better than that. And I trusted them, but I just couldn't picture or, you know, in my brain is definitely not creative enough to come up with anything other than that. So gosh, yeah, they, they, they definitely went above and beyond my expectations for what we would get with Leia. I, I love that she, you know, took over for Luke and, and trained um, Ray in the force and got the fact that we got to see her back in time training mm-hmm. as a Jedi and also knowing that that was played by Billy Lord. Yeah. I, it, it was just so perfect. I, I would have never dreamed that we were going to get that. Yeah. Well, I had heard I had heard prior to the movie that JJ Abrams was planning on making like Jedi Leia a thing in this one, like potentially having her like wield a lightsaber and and things like that. And while we didn't necessarily get that, we saw we saw that from the flashback. She, you know, felt her yeah. son she felt her son was going to die at the end of it, so she stopped her training. And somebody else, I think Luke says it in uh, when when Ray goes back to Octo, that somebody else will pick up this lightsaber and continue her journey, which I love. And everything that they did with Leia, going from her Jedi training with Luke to her final scene where her arm just flops down after she makes that connection with Ben. And, you know, that was a huge turning point for Ben. I think... Um, I think it was phenomenal. Like you said, I mean, they did, they just knocked it out of the park with it. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I I also wonder with the whole Han scene, Han Mm -hmm. showing up for Ben, did you perceive that the way I perceived it is that that was kind of Leia? Like, like she walked away at that point was Mm -hmm. like, you know, they kind of like inferred that she was going to, I don't, I don't know. They kind of like inferred that she was going to do something that was going to like take the last of her. I, I took that as Leia sort of reaching out to Ben, causing him to sort of stall because literally like as Ray and him were fighting, Ray's actually on the ground. Kylo was beating her. He he had her on the ground. He was standing over top of her. He had the high ground. And then all of a sudden, Leia reaches out to Ben, causing him to stall a little bit and almost turn around. And that's when he drops his saber. I think that's when Ben essentially... Well, when I think when Ray stabs him with his own saber, I think, that's, I think that was the end of Ben. Or that was the end of Kylo. Um... But then she's mm-hmm. dead, and then the memory that 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 Ben has of Han, I think, is the memory that, um, you know, some people are like, well, if it's a memory, how are there lines that weren't ever in a conversation that they had, you know? But a lot of what Han said was said in the Force Awakens, like very similar verbiage, um, and so I think that was sort of just in Kylo's mind, his father. After, um, I think it was, well, Luke says no one's ever really gone in, in episode eight. I can't remember exactly if Han, Han says something about like, I'll always be with you or something like that. I don't know. I can't remember exactly what he says in the force awakens. Um, but I think that that was sort of just a memory that, um, at least this is way, the way I perceive it. I think it was Mm -hmm. Han Solo was Ben's memory and Leia's 
final act was to essentially touch Ben, you know? Yeah. From across the galaxy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I feel like I saw that as, like, her kind of, like... I guess you could... I guess I could go... I could I could t- definitely get on board with the memory thing, but I feel like his presence, Han's presence, somehow, some way, was kind of, like, Leia's doing. Like, I don't think it was, like, an illusion, but mm-hmm. I think it was is her either bringing it out of, you know, like you said, Ben's memory or, like, allowing him to, like, come forth from you know the beyond to like have that one last conversation i don't know but i i like to think that that leia kind of orchestrated that last conversation <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe because so ben says you're just a memory to han and then han says yeah but i'm your memory or something like that but maybe yeah. it was leia maybe it was leia that brought that memory to the forefront of kylo's mind Right, to, like, to actual visualization to where that memory is, like, now out of your head and you can visually see it and interact with it in front of you. Yeah. All right, well, there's a ton that we could talk about here. Let's touch on a couple different things. Um, One thing I really wanted to touch on was C-3PO and his role. And C-3PO seems like, especially even even in the prequels, you know, I mean, he doesn't really do a whole lot. He's naked in episode one and kind of just is there for the ride and episode two he he just kind of joins up with r2 like you know three quarters of the way through the film and gets his head knocked off in the droid factory and then in episode three he just doesn't really do a whole lot there either um but it really felt kind of like c-3po had a major role again in you know a star wars film and not only did he have a major role but he was crucial to the success of the resistance Yes, he's no longer the not-so-silent observer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I, well done with that. I love that, too, because we were so worried about his red eyes and, like, is he going to turn mm-hmm. on them? Is he going to, you know, be reprogrammed by something dark side But that was just him, you know, tapping into his Sith protocol. Yeah, yeah. Um... So let's just real quickly touch on a couple of these characters. Lando, we got to see Lando again. Billy Williams, of course, just always kills it, and he's awesome. Um, Lando actually went with Luke to try and find the Sith Wayfinder for a while. They were going down this trail to try and find it to get to Exegol. Um, and I read in the book, so Lando, in the visual dictionary, Lando actually goes by the Hermit on Pasana, and he stayed there because he went with Luke when Luke went there looking for clues to the Wayfinder. Um, and so it was, it was pretty cool to see, um, you know, Billy D show back up and, and actually play a role and, and bring in all of the sort of, uh, you know, resistance or the people, the people of the galaxy to, to help out at the end. Yeah. I loved seeing him in this and I especially loved that little interaction that he had with Jana at the mm-hmm. end, um, to me, kind of insinuating that she may be related to him. And I don't know if that's just me, you know, pulling at strings, but just like the way that interaction went down where she was like, oh, yeah, like I was taken from a young age or whatever. And he was like, let's talk about that. Like, or like, he's like, yeah. no kidding. Like, I don't remember how, how he said it exactly, but like, it just seemed like it wasn't like a coincidence that they were having that conversation. 
Yeah, she asks him where he was from. He tells her, and then he says, what about you, kid? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And and Lando's like, well, let's find out, you know? So, yeah. And then in the book, in the visual dictionary, on Lando's page, it has, like, a timeline of his life. And in a certain year, and I'm pretty sure it lines up with Jana's age, it says that Lando's daughter was taken by the First Order. So yeah. it doesn't say Jana is, is Lando's daughter, but it basically does, you know? Oh my gosh, so, I hope that's like a deleted scene or something that we get with the DVD. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. They do a lot of that, though. So, like, they'll give you an answer, but not really. Like, like Starkiller Base is Ilum, essentially. And the Visual Dictionary says on Ilum that, like, the First Order carves a, a valley within Ilum or something like that. Like a... I don't, I don't know exactly what it says, but there's... I might be able to pick... If I can find it real quick, I'll say it. But if not, then whatever. Okay, um, call me stupid, but Ilum, is that where, like, Ahsoka takes all the kids to get their lightsaber crystals? Yes. Oh, I, I did not know that. This is okay, the first so, I've ever heard that. Um, The Empire claims Ilum in 52... BSI, which is the new BBY, so they're doing everything before Starkiller Incident. Um, before Starkiller Incident, yeah. So Empire claims Ilum, an ancient Jedi temple world, and begins a huge transforming project there. And then I don't know if there was something else in there that I read about it, but yeah, basically... Um, there is one other thing in some other form of media that I'm not going to say because I know that uh, not everyone has completed said story. Um, but yeah, there's one other thing that sort of backs that up as well. Um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And then we get Hux. So Hux played uh, less of a role in this film than he did in the other ones, but... Um, just out of spite for a dislike for Kylo Ren, Hux became this uh, resistance spy, essentially, um, telling them about the return of, of Palpatine and, and all this other stuff. So what did you think of Hux and his role in The Rise of Skywalker? He's such a slime ball, honestly. <laughs> like, he's just like, I. there was like that one moment where I thought we were going to maybe have a callous situation where he was yeah. going to turn. It was like a split second, like a split second. Where I was like, oh my God, are we going to end up liking this guy? And then he's like, I don't want you to win. I just don't want him to be in charge. Like, oh my yeah. God, like how could you be so self-centered? Yeah. Gross. <laughs> yep. I loved how yeah. he went out, honestly. He deserved that exact <laughs> death. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Tell Kylo Ren that what you know, they escaped they escaped and overran me and shot me in the leg. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell Kylo we found our spy. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Poor guy. Um Chewbacca, he obviously had a pretty pretty major role. What? Sorry, I, I think we glitched because you were like, poor guy. And I was like, eh. And then when I came back from saying that, you were already like halfway down another sentence that I didn't hear in the beginning oh. of. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
um, Chewbacca in his role, and obviously he gets captured at one point by the First Order, which was pretty sad, especially when everybody thinks that he's dead. Um, but he comes back and, and goes with Lando to essentially recruit more people, which is really cool. And uh, I think Jonas did another fantastic job, especially when it was um, the scene where Chewie finds out that Leia passed away, and um, you know that was that was obviously. A big scene. Yeah, I feel like that's the moment where I began getting extremely emotional and just like a slow trickle of tears just never stopped after that throughout like the whole <laughs> whole movie. Yeah. Um, Maz Kanata obviously played a, a, a smaller role, but she was there when Leia died. Um, obviously, Chewbacca was able to get a medal at the end of the film, which was pretty awesome from Maz. Um, his girlfriend. Yeah. Luke um, didn't do a whole lot in this film, but uh, Ray goes back to Octo and she sees for spirit Luke and he sort of snaps her out of it and, uh, you know, tells her the story of, of Leia training as a Jedi and presents Leia's lightsaber to Ray. Uh, and and uh, we get that really sentimental moment where... Luke raises the X-Wing out of the water, and that's something that, yeah. you know, was such a big deal in Empire Strikes Back, and we see him do it here. And, um, you know, to see Rey jump in Red 5 with Luke's helmet on and Luke's X-Wing just flying around, leading everybody to Exegol was, was very cool. It was very cool to see. Yeah, and to see, like, the finality of Luke's, like, growth and to admit that he was wrong and and push Ray to do better. I thought it was, it was yeah. a really fitting end for him. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about Rose and we'll move on to some of the new characters before we end here. Um, but Rose, she didn't do as much in this one in, um, you know, as she did in last Jedi. And it's really kind of upsetting to me, um, that sometimes, you know, it's not, it's not, super upsetting but like i and i understand why they did that especially when they're introducing more characters to a film um but i feel like she almost got like the jar jar syndrome where like in episode one jar jar had a big role and then as the movies went on he got progressively like less just due to fan reaction and i really hope that's not the case like i hope that lucasfilm just didn't not have rose in there because of the way that some fans certain fans did not like her character from Last Jedi, you know? Yeah, a few loud fans is what I like to say. Yeah. Um, but it, it just, I just, I really don't want to believe that, that that was the case. I really hope so. Um, I took it as there was a lot to wrap up, a lot of loose yeah. ends, a lot of storylines, and a lot of characters, like no offense to Rose, but a lot of characters that were more important. Um, not to say that Rose isn't important, because I absolutely love her, and I love her character. Um, but it, it, she was a new character. She was a new character that was just introduced in the last, you know, second to last movie of a nine movie series like she, there we had so many other characters that needed their stories wrapped up and she didn't really have any loose ends to tie up she was part of the resistance and and she did her her job yeah so and i'm okay you know, with it she, yeah 
And she had a role to play in the in the Spark of the Resistance, and she went on that mission to Minfar with Rey and BB-8 and Poe and, you know, all them. So we got a little bit more to her character, and they talk, I think, in um, Resistance Reborn, Finn talks about, you know, wrapping up the loose ends with the relationship with, with Rose um, and how they talked about it and just want to kind of decided to be friends and things. And so, yeah, you know, I think it's, I think it's great that... Um, with some of these, um, you know, expanded books, like some of the novels, we get more on some of the characters. And so with that, it doesn't make it seem like when you watch the movie that we just got gypped out of content for that character, you know? So, yeah, I just think there was, there's too much to do. I, I, I would have loved more Rose. I would have loved for her to have a bigger part, but just realistically in the time that they had to wrap up Mm -hmm. nine, you know, installments, there's just no way. Yeah. So some of the new characters, we already talked a little bit about Zori Bliss. We talked a little bit about Janna. Um, let's talk about some of the smaller, cuter characters. Babu Frick, who I feel like is yes. sort of, uh, you know, on a lesser scale, um, you know, is the, like the baby Yoda of the Rise of Skywalker. Like he's, he's sort of captured yeah. everybody's hearts and... <laughs> You know, has a lot of funny lines and people's hearts just melt with Babu Frick. Yeah, I just want like a little talking Babu on like my shelf that I could just like press a button and he'll be like, hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And his interactions with C-3PO. Hello, I am C-3PO, human side relations, and who might you be? And and Han, or uh, Poe's like... Okay, that's going to be a problem. Babu's like, hello, I, Babu Frick. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I could have had him just like on Ray's shoulder for like the entire movie and not gotten sick of him. Yeah. <laughs> Making weird yeah. noises. I did get a Funko Pop of Babu Frick. The only way to get it was through the Amazon Smuggler's Bounty subscription box. So he's pretty cool. He's pretty cute. That's not okay, because I need it, and now that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe eBay or something. Yeah, maybe they'll come um, with more Babus, different versions. <laughs> yeah. All right, we also got Dio, the new droid, and um, Dio played a pretty big role, too. He was treated badly by his old master, which was Ochi of Bastoon, because um, he was discovered in the Bastoon Legacy ship. Uh, by BB-8, who brought him back to life, essentially. And he had um, some pretty funny lines, too. Just every time someone wants to touch him or get near him, no, thank you, no, thank you. Um, And I like his little squeaky wheel comment. I I have squeaky wheel. (laughs) Yeah, he just is, like, just, like, a simple little, like, he's, like, the most simple droid we've probably ever seen, just design-wise. And then he just had that, like, super cute little simple personality. He just... No, thank you. Like over and over again, it was just yeah, it was really adorable. Yeah. General Pride was the new bad guy, um, and he was pretty ruthless, as we talked about earlier. Just taking a shot directly at Hux's chest, um, you know, and we see him kneel before Palpatine, and he says something about how he had served him in the old wars, and he's going to serve him now. So he's been around for a while. He knows of Palpatine, and um, you know, he made his presence felt on more than one occasion. Yeah, and there was there was something about that actor, just the look of him and, and 
you know, the character he portrayed, I just felt like if we had cut a scene with him and like tuned the quality back down to what we had in the 70s, like he looked like he was like a character that I had seen in like a new hope. Like I know he wasn't, but like Mm -hmm. I could just picture him back and like being part of the empire at like its height. Like I could picture him there. I don't know. Is that weird? No. Like I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty awesome. Um, so let's start wrapping it up here. Obviously, there's a ton that we could talk about. Um, this is just sort of our initial thoughts. And, you know, I'm sure as we continue to get more content and, and uh, you know, when the DVDs come out or it's launched on Disney Plus, we'll get more content and we'll be able to expand a little bit more on, on some things, even the the art of the rise of Skywalker and the novelization and and all that stuff. So we're definitely not done talking about episode nine and I'm sure we'll be talking about it for a while. Um, But we're finally starting to get caught up here on our podcast, Jesse. Um, We do have a couple more coming up soon and uh, we've got uh, the finale of star Wars resistance coming up this Sunday on Disney XD and I think that'll be four episodes that we have to review on our next show. So we'll get that done. And then obviously just today we got the new trailer. The final season of Clone Wars is coming to Disney XD or Disney Plus on um, um, oh. Disney Plus. Um, and on the on February 21st, February 21st, we're going to get the Clone Wars so um, a lot of really exciting content coming up, and uh, we definitely don't have a shortage of, of content for the show. <laughs> yeah, right. it's exciting, I, especially Clone Wars. I cannot wait. I've already set my... I, I set the new poster that came out today as, like, the, the face of my watch. Oh. Like... <laughs> nice. That's pretty cool. So you can look at it all the time. (laughs) Pretty much. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on The Rise of Skywalker that you'd like to share with us, um, please feel free to share with us on our social media pages. Um, Jesse, where can people interact with us on on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. All right, and if you're looking for other places to listen to us, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You can see all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars Podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed our show and you think we're pretty wizard, you can go ahead and leave us a good review on iTunes. All right, and then, of course, we are on, um, we're doing the Twin Sons Outpost Book Club as well. For the month of January, we took a break, but we're starting back up again in February. We are going to be reading Galaxy's Edge, A Crash of Fate, which is going to be pretty exciting. And we also, I would like to announce today, um, I think Amanda actually did this yesterday. She created the Twin Sons Outpost Book Club on Twitter. So you can, if you go to at TSO Book Club, you can also find us on there to participate with our book club stuff. Otherwise, there is an open group on Facebook, TSO Book Club. Um, Feel free to join us on either one of those places to um, talk really cool Star Wars books. 
So for Eric and Jesse, you've been listening to episode 160 of Twin Suns Transmission, where we discuss everything about the rise of Skywalker. We'll see you next time where we talk about Star Wars Resistance and the series finale. Until then, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you will murder to me as king.